Hey guys, this is The Big Game. I'm your host, Justin Hargett. This week on the show, I'm going to talk to my friend, Guy Yed Wab, a huge soccer fan, and specifically an enormous Arsenal supporter. We're going to talk about the FA Cup, the oldest soccer competition in the world. Right now, the FA Cup is in its third round, and if you're not familiar, the FA Cup is the uh, English soccer equivalent to NCAA March Madness, in which all of the teams in the Premier League and the three leagues below that get together and play each other until one team remains at the end of the year. However, the game we're going to talk about this week is a matchup between two Premier League teams, Arsenal and Hull City. These two teams met in the final of the FA Cup last year, and luck has drawn them together in this early round. There's a lot of narrative on the line here. Arsenal secured their first trophy in nine years last season with their victory over Hull City in the FA Cup final. While Hull finds itself struggling to stay out of the relegation zone in Premier League, and much like last season, the FA Cup is their best chance to win a title. Arsenal's 2-0 victory was certainly not the most thrilling game of the week, considering the fact that Ohio State upset Alabama, but it was the game that we chose to talk about. So, now to that conversation. Hey, Guy, how's it going? Doing really well. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing excellent with that nice Arsenal victory today. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to wrap up the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, I had a lot of choices this weekend to kind of pick from big games, you know, there was the college football semifinals uh, with, with some, some big stuff there, but I haven't really been following that very much, so it didn't seem quite right to tackle it yet. Uh, no pun intended. And then there were the NFL playoffs this weekend, but there were the wild card games, and my Steelers got beat, so I wasn't really interested in that either. Uh, and so I was looking around for another game to pick up, and I realized that in the FA Cup, uh, you know, Arsenal is having a rematch against their final opponent from last season, uh, Hull City, uh, in what is the first round for Premier League teams in the FA Cup. And I thought, oh, this is filled with narrative, and we have to talk about it. So my first question is, uh, where did you watch the big game today? So uh, I was actually, um, I'm on the West Coast right now, so I got up nice and bright and early for that start. Uh, I was watching it in my living room, uh, streaming through my laptop onto the television, just myself and my mother uh, early morning in California watching the game. What did your mom think of the game? Um, So my mother only really watches soccer when I'm in town. So I think, and often she is watching a lot of Champions League uh, football with myself. Um, so in comparison with a Bayern Munich or a Real Madrid, um, both teams were very frustrating. Uh, but she, she, has some, she had some very specific comments about specific players that uh, uh, I'll bring up when appropriate. <laughs> All right, great. Do you follow the FA Cup regularly? Like even if Arsenal gets knocked out of the tournament early, I know you're a huge gunner. Uh, so do you care about the FA Cup as an institution um, or only because Arsenal is playing in the game? I care about the FA Cup games um, increasingly as the Cup advances. I think early on there's 
so many different teams from so many mid and lower levels of football that it can be really daunting to try and figure out what's going on and, and what you should care about. But once the Premier League teams get in and it starts to focus on you know increasingly teams that care about the FA Cup and really interesting matchups, I do care about it whether or not Arsenal is playing um, because it can often show a different side to teams whether it's you know Arsenal or Manchester City or or you know. Also, there's a great tendency in the FA Cup for smaller teams to really put on a good show, um, whether it's you know a Sheffield United that started taking out some big names or, or you know whoever it is. Yeah, and this draw was particularly interesting because you know I think maybe there were uh, three or four Premier League teams drawn together. Uh, maybe that number is a little bit higher, but for the most part, you know, Manchester United played Yeovil Town this morning, which is you know a team from a lower division, and so the Premier League teams kind of have this great advantage of not having to play kind of the top opponent right away and are allowed to advance a little bit further into the tournament and maybe rest some regular starters and play some more youngsters. But Arsenal wasn't really afforded that chance in this game. Yeah, I would say that that uh, it, it's very interesting that this early in the FA Cup, you have previous year's FA Cup finalists um, head-to-head. So, you know, if you're not familiar with it, the last year's FA Cup ended with, you know, Arsenal and Hull, you know, going into extra time against each other. And for the first round that the Premier League teams are able to play in the FA Cup to have that matchup again, uh, it, it's kind of surprising to get that early. So it, it did make this game kind of stick out amongst all the other uh, lineups in the FA Cup this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Well, so let's get right into the game. I mean, Arsenal has beaten Hall, I think, seven times in a row, mm-hmm. um, including last season's FA Cup victory. And, you know, that, that last year, the final was was so thrilling and so much fun because, you know, Arsenal went down early, they're losing 2 to nothing, uh, and then we're only able to get the winner in extra time. This game, though, I mean, all of that enthusiasm and energy was just totally sucked out of it, and I wonder if that came down to the players involved. Like, I'm not sure how many starters Hull rested uh, from their game on New Year's, but it seemed like it was at least a handful of really key starters. Um, and this really proved to me how much depth Arsenal has on their team is, you know, they pretty much fielded, a, I think, a B-plus lineup, frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was just like, oh, and then they have a whole nother B-plus lineup on the injury list. So, right. you know, a team like Arsenal is really set up to succeed well in the FA Cup. And it just really pointed out how much Hull is not. Yeah, I think there was a couple aspects to it. So one is the fact that, you know, the fact that this was earlier in the year meant that it happened, you know, right after the Christmas break. So over, you know, the period between Christmas and New Year's, both teams were basically playing a game every other day. And Arsenal already tends to have issues with injury and fatigue with its squad. And, and I'm sure, you know, the whole players also have a, a big strain on their squad. So it meant that even though I didn't feel like Arsenal or Hull came in not treating this game as seriously, although, of course, it's not a final, I, I do feel like they they were a little hamstrung by the fatigue, by the injury list. Uh, I actually took a look at the starting lineup, uh, the FA Cup final versus the lineup of this, and there was only two players who played in both for Arsenal, which is kind of amazing because the actual their team hasn't changed that much, but combined with the injuries, combined with the fatigue, combined with trying to to rotate the the players of the squad, it meant that they came out with kind of an odd lineup. 
Yeah, that's uh, really incredible. Wait, let me take a guess. So, so one of them was definitely Per Mertesacker. I absolutely, and you know the the interesting thing is, you know, you talk about rest and fatigue. He's the only one who never ever gets a rest unless he's actually seriously injured, and he played in the World Cup between the FA Cup and now. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard this, but I can't believe that Alexi Lalas had the nerve to say at the halftime show that he couldn't tell whether Per Mertesacker was good or not. That you know, it, it doesn't surprise me because Mertesacker is is a very specific player. You know, he he's very slow and he's very <clears throat> dependent on whoever's in partnership with him. So last season, Mertesacker and uh, Lauren Koscielny had a very strong partnership, and they both started in the FA Cup final. But in this case, you know, the everyone other than Mertesacker in the back line, they're playing out of their normal positions. They've been switched in, switched out, and so you know. I, I was actually impressed that they were able to keep as solid as they did, considering how kind of patchwork it's been over the course of the last year. Well, so who was the other player that Arsenal started from the FA Cup uh, final? Santi Carzola is the only other. Uh, uh, that surprised me because I wasn't sure if he, because he was a little bit out of favor last season with Ozil mm-hmm. doing so well. Yes, uh, he, he was partnered with Cazola, so it was just the two of them um, that that uh, Cazola and Murdersacker, that is, that were consistent. And I agree, it was a little surprising, but uh, I think there was also at the time, because um, if you look at the injury list at the time, uh, the FA Cup final, you know, key players like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Theo Walcott and Sergei Nabry were all on the injury list, so. Both then and now, when you're talking about what are who are the teams that Arsenal fields, they're often kind of part of the lineup gets built by who's available and who can actually get on the field. Well, you mentioned Theo Walcott, and you know I think that's kind of maybe one of my major questions uh, for you. I mean, this, what, do, what do you think of it? It's been almost an entire year since he was on the field. Uh, exactly this time last year when Arsenal played Tottenham in the FA Cup, it was either the third or the fourth round, uh, and he went out with a season-long injury. Um, so, you know, what did you think of Theo Walcott starting the game and how did he do over 75 minutes on the field? Yeah, so I, I was glad that he got to start the game because it was actually this round uh, or a similar round of the FA Cup last year against Tottenham Spurs, Arsenal's rival, that he, he went out injured. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just an interesting, you know, circle. What I thought was something struck me at a very specific moment, um, not, not a very important moment in the game, but there was a moment where he was kind of passing, you know, he had a one-two touch between him and Santi Carzola, and it made me realize that because of the difference in lineup between last year and next year, he actually hasn't played with a lot of the people he was playing with on the field. So uh, during the game, I, I heard the commentators say that uh, Alexis Sanchez, who's you know really been a star for Arsenal over the course of the season, has either scored or created half of Arsenal's goals this season. And Theo Walcott has never played with him in an actual competitive match before. I'm sure they've trained together, but this is their first time on a field, you know, in a competition. So, you know, he he's out there. He had a lot of the pace and work rate that, you know, w- was very appreciated, but I didn't feel like he was combining, and, and, and I didn't feel like he exactly knew where he fit in the Arsenal lineup yet. You know, that's a really good point, because I took a note in about the 60th minute that I was just like, I have not heard Walcott's name in forever. And, you know, there were a couple good moments here and there. Uh, but then as soon as I wrote that down, there were about three or four instances where he finally he got a through ball and a couple shots on goal, and, and he was finally starting to make some things happen. And so I think that's your, your point is well taken, is that 
he's going to need to get to know uh, Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, I, I think you know it, it's it's a very interesting that you know the the attacking strength in the last FA Cup final, at least the starting lineup was Podolski, Ramsey, Giroud, and and uh, you know the, these other folks, and almost none of them featured during the game today. It was you know whether it's Joel Campbell or whether it's you know uh, Thomas Rosicki, it's it, it's just a very different. Um, it's a very different squad than the one last time around. So to to have missed so much of that change and that evolution, I, I think makes it makes it difficult to just step in that game and, and make an immediate uh, effect. Yeah, and while the total the final scoreline wasn't that impressive, I mean Arsenal dominated this game, and then just in the first thirty minutes they should have had three or four goals. You know, um, Sanchez should have had a couple. Joel Campbell should have had one. Uh, I'm not sure if Walcott had a chance then yet, but he certainly did later in the game. So. There's something about Arsenal's offense in this game that it wasn't quite clicking, but I think given a few more weeks, if a little bit more lineup consistency, um, the talent they have, they can they're going to be able to score a lot more goals, um, especially yeah. with the way Sanchez is playing. And and this is actually quite embarrassing because you and I watched uh, an Arsenal game in a bar earlier this season, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it very well. Is I think I was cursing Sanchez's name for you know probably 90 minutes, <laughs> and you know over the last three or four weeks just watching him like just school player after player and you know rack up assists from corners and you know making his own goals that he sometimes has no right scoring it's just been totally totally uh, unbelievable and I couldn't have been more wrong about him I was glad that you brought it up. I'm sure I would have eventually. But uh, I remember you specifically saying that he wasn't passing very well to the rest of the team. He was taking a lot of the shots himself. And I think at the beginning of the season, he may have been in a position similar to Walcott, where, you know, he didn't know how to leverage the people around him. He didn't know how to, you know, unlock their talent. So he was, you know, more selfish on the ball and just throwing himself forward. But he really has. And I think, you know, what's interesting is last year at this time at the FA Cup final, you know, I, I remember screaming at the screen, you know, take Santi Carzola off. <laughs> He's not doing anything. He's just wasting space. Uh, and I feel like over the last few games, you know, he's actually come more into it. And I think it's because he he's learning how to combine more with um, with, with Sanchez and, and they're becoming right. an attacking unit. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to say is, you know, we've been talking a lot about Arsenal, which is partly because, you know, you and I are, are big gunners and partly also because my impression of Hull has been that every time I watch Hull, I feel deathly bored. Um, they don't <laughs> they didn't seem to have a lot of imagination in terms of their attack. And when I looked back just to refresh at the FA Cup final last time they matched up, they got both of their goals in the first 20 minutes of the game. And then Arsenal had to spend, you know, through a minute 120 mm -hmm. to try and, and make back that deficit. And, you know, for everything we've been talking about, the, the troubles in, in Arsenal's attack, it's actually Arsenal's defense that has sometimes been really spotty and inconsistent. And, you know, at the FA Cup, Hull was able to exploit that really early, and this time I just felt like Hull couldn't find any openings and, and didn't have any imagination and just kind of got to the final third and then booted the ball towards the goal in, in hopes that something could happen. You know, I think early on they had some chances, like some nice crosses that got in, uh, but I don't think they put anything on target until much later in the game. 
but they just didn't have possession. And, you know, as as spotty as Arsenal's defense can be, you know, I think kind of their philosophy is, look, if you have the ball, if your own team has the ball, then that means the other team doesn't, which means you're uh, lessening the chances that they can score on you. And I think that's just kind of the predominant uh, mindset that Arsene Wenger instills in this team. Yeah, I agree. I think possession is a big part of their game. I think both in that FA Cup final and this game, in both cases, they had two-thirds of the possession. Um, so, so long as... I, I remember at very late stage of the uh, of the FA Cup final, um, it's kind of seared into my memory as a Gunners fan. There was a moment where one of the whole players did actually break away, get into the final third, and Fabianski, who is, who is in the goal... Uh, at that time because he hadn't been sold to Spurs came running out and kind of charged the attacker and it was a it was a woeful you know mistimed run that that completely failed to shut down the attack and he turned out to be very fortunate that the goal wasn't wasn't struck but you know it was that kind of you know being left out and and poor decision making that that they you know when Arsenal wobbles it's usually because of moments of of you know, poor decision making like that, and I was glad to see that they didn't make that anything like that this time. Well, yeah, let's. I mean, you know, not to you know stay on Arsenal all the time, but I think that's pretty <laughs> much what we're going to do because they're the only one worth watching. But you know, over the on New Year's Day, Arsenal lost two nothing to Southampton, uh, basically because of two uh, Chesney errors in goal, and it was actually very refreshing in this game to see the uh, second string goalkeeper David Espina, you know, get a spin. Uh, and you know he didn't have much to do, but it was refreshing to see him play. Um, and he made a couple good stops. Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about you know wh- why is the FA Cup interesting, I think it's because you know th- there is still a, a venue for you know whether it's forced by injury <clears throat> or not for managers to say let's use this as an opportunity to test out some players who haven't got as much. So. Last season, it was Fabianski was the the second string goalkeeper who you know played through the entire FA Cup. Uh, here, it, it's uh, David Espina, the the Colombian um, goalkeeper. Uh, but it, it is very refreshing to get to see him. And another person who I, I was very refreshed to see, although he also didn't uh, wind up contributing too too much, is Joel Campbell. Uh, you know, uh, among Arsenal fans, there's been a constant question of why isn't he played more? Why doesn't he get any opportunities? Maybe he has something to offer the team. And the FA Cup gives you a chance to to really see some of these players in action that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah, I was totally surprised to see his name on the lineup sheet. Uh, I was, you know, he he got the start over, you know, Sonogo, who admittedly has not been that impressive, uh, Welbeck and Giroud, um, who probably both needed a pretty well-deserved rest. Um, but, you know, what did you think of Joel Campbell in this game, a Costa Rican World Cup star? You know, I, I think that... Um, you know he he's also not been combining and and not not as, as comfortable with the team. Uh, I also don't know again because I haven't seen him play as much whether that position out on the right wing is what he's comfortable with or not. But he did have a good work rate. He did you know get at least one good opportunity and he was involved in you know a few opportunities. So you know I, I certainly think that that he has something to offer and with some more 
you know, some more minutes on the field, it, it'll be exciting to see more come out of him. I remember watching, you know, during the World Cup and his performance there. So I, I think there's an incredible talent, but it, it's difficult when, you know, when, when the chips are down and you're never getting out there, you know, it, it's tough to see. Yeah. And I think, and I think what's really exciting about this is, you know, they they finally the team has finally finalized that uh, Lucas Podolski is going to be on loan during the second half of the season, um, and therefore some of the chances that might have gone to Lucas Podolski, you know, maybe we'll start to see go to Joel Campbell. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, he Joel Campbell had uh, I think it was a one-two with. Santa Cazorla, or no, maybe with, it was with Alexis Sanchez in just the fourth minute. It was just really beautiful and really quick and sharp. Um, and, and unfortunately, he shot it right at the goalie. But I think, you know, he slowed down as the game went on. But he certainly had moments where he was really confident on the ball. He made some good passes. He made some good runs. Had a couple of shots. There was, there was a moment later in the game that he just really whiffed on a shot that I'm sure he wished he could have had back. But... Like you said, I think if he gets a few more minutes the rest of the season, maybe in the Champions League, maybe in you know further in the FA Cup, um, we'll, be, we'll be able to see some good things from him. Yeah, I think he's a, he's an important person to keep in mind in terms of you know as the injuries continue, and and I'm sure you know uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, who had been out previously on injury, came on sort of three quarters of the way through the game and picked up an injury, you know, within a few minutes of coming on. So, you know, knowing that you have these kind of folks, even if it's only to cover the last 15 minutes of the game to give someone a rest, you know, it's important to have those options. Um, I think the same can be said for Thomas Rosicki. There was a moment where, you know, he took a run up the center and laid it off to Sanchez and got it back that, you know, also, you know, didn't result in a goal, but that was actually the moment I thought was was the most beautiful moment of the game. Um, And he's only played once before this season. I think you're absolutely right. I, I agree. I wrote down a note as, you know, I'm always impressed with Rosicki when he gets into an open field because I think there are maybe like three or four runs where he just had wide open space and just made something happen. And no goals came of it, but you kind of forget how good of a player he is, how good of a playmaker he can be. Yeah. And I think it also touches on, so I mentioned that my mother was watching the game and, and you know, her comment on Alexis Sanchez is something that, that, you know, she, she brings up a lot as, as kind of her way of looking at the game. But, you know, she says that Alexis Sanchez never gives up on the ball. He's always trying. And I felt that way about Thomas Rosicki as well, that, you know, he was always charging. He was really aggressive and moving forward. And there have been some performances with Arsenal where you kind of see them kind of mentally, you know, back away or, or you know, feel, look like they're kind of slowing down. And I think being able to be aggressive and keep pushing forward throughout the whole game is something that, you know, I think some of these players who haven't gotten as much play time can bring into games, um, you know, when Arsenal is in trouble. Yeah, and I think, you know, half the time I'd probably rather enjoy seeing Riziki out there instead of, you know, Flamini. But that's just me. So I think yeah. we could both agree that uh, Sanchez was probably the standout player of the game. Uh, and, you know, there are a few other people that impressed us. But was there anybody on Hall that caught your eye? Yes, there's one person who uh, who did catch my eye. Um, and it was uh, McShane, uh, the defender. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, he also has an incredible work rate. I mean, 
you know, one of the advantages that Hull has that has kind of kept them in the Premier League and, and kept them afloat as a team is is when they can get their defensive organization. And we were just talking about the moment where Rosicki and, and Sanchez combined, the ball was headed towards the back line and, and Harper, the, the Hull goalkeeper, was completely caught out of position. And I was ready to to cheer and celebrate a goal going in when I felt like McShane may have dove a full yard in the last <laughs> second or something to clear it off the the line and um you know he he was really pushing very hard in order to to hold together um you know some plays that that uh uh looked really dangerous no that's a great point so do you think arsenal can turn their season around and and come back in the league uh and do they have a chance in the champions league or is the FA Cup the kind of the only hardware they're going to be able to win in 2015? So I think, in terms of actually, you know, being a contender for for the title, I think the door is probably closed on that. But you know, Arsenal has had a pretty consistent history of qualifying for the Champions League, and you know, one of the games that was over the uh, the Christmas break was also Arsenal head to head with um, West Ham, which is um, you know also very close for them for those Champions League spots, and they did beat West Ham, and I, I do think that there's. A lot of positivity. I think last year's season, it was very similar story where there were injuries. There was, you know, moments where the team seemed to be faltering. Uh, and then some players who were important came back from injury, like Aaron Ramsey. Um, so hopefully some of the folks that we're looking at now as being injured will start to come back and, and have an effect. Oh, I was going to also mention, you know, uh, um, an incredible statistic that I noticed during the game was... Um, before this weekend, the two longest-serving managers in the entire Premier League were Arsene Wenger, who'd been with Arsenal for uh, 20 years, and Alan Pardew, who'd been with Newcastle for four years. And now Alan <laughs> Pardew's no longer with Newcastle. Jeez. So there is an incredible... I mean, just the amount of time that, that Arsene Wenger has been with this team and understands this team, I feel like, breeds a kind of consistency of performance you know, he, he has won, a, you know, a number of FA Cup trophies and the amount of times that Arsenal has has eked out that fourth place spot over the years has been, you know, pretty consistent. So, so the fourth long place as, trophy, you mean? <laughs> yes, the fourth place trophy that, that Gunners are so proud of. Um, you know, I, I think that there's. You know, it, it's very easy to look at, at the teams that get to, you know, win and, and, you know, do very well. But, you know, Liverpool last year, they're second place. And this year they're, you know, struggling their way at the, to, to hopefully finish in the top half, at least so far this season. That uh, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, I, I think there's a consistency that can be relied on. Well, speaking of the table, uh, the Premier League standings, the whole city now is only just two points from the relegation zone. Do you think they're going to be able to stay up this year? Uh, I mean, I haven't watched as many of their games because, like I said, Hull, Hull other than their you know slow rebranding to be the Hull City Tigers that remains controversial, they 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 don't have the kind of imagination and and you know diehard spirit that that really gets me to watch their games. But they have managed to kind of keep enough consistency and enough defensive-minded playing to, to stay afloat. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether they can keep this up. 
Um, I, I think Hull and many of its counterparts at the bottom of the table are going to have to really see what happens in the transfer window because, you know, the team that went out today might have trouble staying in the Premier League, Absolutely. but, you know, depending on who moves around where, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, and so last question, uh, did the game live up to the height? Was it, in fact, a big game? Um, I would say it's a, it was a little disappointing uh, in comparison with the hype, um, you know, because of, I think, both sides not fielding necessarily their most competitive start, you know, starting 11s. And I think, you know, there, there was not a huge amount of, uh, of imagination on Hall's side and, and, you know, not, not a huge amount of, uh, you know, for, for as well as Arsenal was doing, they still weren't necessarily coming together in the final third. So it didn't, it didn't have the, the level of drama of here's the rematch of the final. It didn't feel like a rematch of a final. It, it felt like, you know, if Arsenal had come across Hull in the Premier League, um, you know, for someone who's really in love with Arsenal, there was a lot of interesting information and, and things that were learned and good performances. But uh, I, I don't know if I'd call it the big game. I have to agree. Uh, this seemed like a run-of-the-mill February Premier League match. Uh, with yeah. not a lot on the line. And and frankly, I mean, it, lo- it was the kind of game that Arsenal ends up tying a lot in the season where they score early and they kind of struggle to find that second goal and then they give up a bad set piece in the 80th minute. And I thought we might have been headed that way and the game could have possibly got a little more interesting at the end. Uh, but it was nice to see as a gunner, uh, see Arsenal come out ahead with that goal from Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, w- w- it, it says a lot that one of the most entertaining moments of the game for me was um, there. there's a long history of Arsene Wenger not being able to zip up jackets. And at uh, at minute eight, he tried to zip up his coat, wasn't able to. <laughs> and I said, goodness, it's yet another <laughs> Arsenal game. Uh, that, yeah, that moment was amazing. And I can't believe they, they the directors totally were waiting for that moment to happen. And then they just sat on it. Uh, you know, not only were the directors waiting for that moment, but I, I was also watching the live feed from the BBC. And the first thing that they noticed was that it was a very cold day, but Arsene <laughs> Wenger had stubbornly decided not to wear his coat. And so I was saying, well, there's Arsene Wenger stubbornly making a choice and then eight <laughs> minutes into the game having to go to plan B. <laughs> I don't understand why it just doesn't get like a shorter coat. Like the coat down to the knees just... Doesn't really make any sense unless he's got really cold legs. I mean, you know, he's getting a little bit older. Maybe his circulation is not so good. He's got to keep him warm. But, you know, Arson, just get a shorter coat. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on The Big Game. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you like what you hear. Uh, and maybe leave us a review. See you next week. Mm-hmm.